0: A couple months ago when I was with you, I challenged you at the beginning of the sermon with a question. The question was, what if? What if you had this out-of-box kind of faith where no matter what was happening in your life, you just knew that God was in it? Where you kind of felt at the core of your being that you were loved by God, and really that was the only thing that mattered? where you had that deep conviction that God was for you. And whatever he was doing, it was for your good. And so you just kept going, moving forward one step at a time, trusting God. People looked at you and they envied you because you were just at peace and you were filled with joy. We also use a term that Steve Furtick uses in his book, Sun Still where he talks about audacious faith, a faith that makes people behave with boldness or daring, especially with confident disregard for personal comfort and conventional thought. I've been thinking a lot about faith in the last couple of months. I mean, the Bible's clear, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Every one of us here wants to live our lives pleasing God without faith, it's impossible to please God. What does it mean to live with faith? When you, as I do, work with a group of guys who have a very limited language, if you know what I mean. Or what about, what does it mean to live with audacious faith when your wife has cancer? You know, when When you can't find a purpose in what's going on. When you can't figure out the meaning of the illness. When life doesn't make sense. And by the way, I know that many of you have been praying for us. Lorna has just completed three months of uh, chemo. Another month to go. Um, The pain is gone. Nausea, that's another issue. Um, But, uh, you know, she has weekly treatments. When she gets them, she had three or four days of Well, she'd rather not live. And then a couple days gets better before she gets hit again. Uh, She'd love to be here this morning, but, you know, when you have chemo, your immunity system is way down, and we know you'd love to hug her and shake her hands and all that kind of thing, and she just doesn't need that. So she's very limited in terms of what she does. But we're so grateful for your love and your prayers, and, and I know you're thinking about us. Thank you very much. Without faith... It's impossible to please God. Last time I took you to the book of Joshua. It's a book about learning to walk with God. It's a story about a people on the edge of their promised land. They had been there 40 years earlier. God had brought them to that place. Unfortunately, they failed to grasp that what was impossible for them was exactly what God wanted to do for them. God wanted them to activate their audacious faith so he could accomplish for them what they thought was impossible. Now they're back. Moses is their leader. He knows that he's not going to go into that land. He's not going to be around. He knows the tendency on the part of the people to go with themselves, to rely on themselves, do things for themselves, to walk by faith, not by sight. And so he sits down, and it's like he says, you know, how can I let people know the critical nature of the decisions that they are about to make? How can he communicate to them that this is a critical moment in their history? They need to make some critical choices. And it's interesting how he communicates it. Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Two ways. That's it. Not three, not four, just two. Either you're going to choose life at this moment or you're going to choose Death. And I can imagine people listening. Moses, how do we choose life? Or what happens when we choose death? And he goes on, verse 16, he says, This is how you choose life. You love the Lord your God, not in a legalistic, mechanical kind of way, but just, just the best way you can. Then you walk in his ways, and it's a phrase often used in the Bible to talk about wise decisions. And Moses, okay, how do we do that? Well, you, you do that by faith, believing that God will work on your behalf, and then you keep his commands. Moses, how do we keep his commands? Well, you do it by faith, believing that God will act on your behalf. That's choosing life, but you can't choose death. And the way you do that is you turn your heart away from God, you're not obedient, and you're drawn away and bow down to other idols and worship them. You try to make your life work without God, you go by sight, not by faith. It's a critical choice. Forty years ago, Moses says, you chose death. You gave in to your fear. You failed to grasp what you saw as an impossibility is something that God wanted to do for you. You said no to God. The result, your parents, your grandparents, they all died in the desert, except for Joshua and Caleb. By the way, that critical choice is true for you and me as well, isn't it? I mean, the attitudes we choose either leads to life or death. The decisions we make, the actions we take, they will either lead to life or to death. Either, you see, our soul is going to come alive with purpose and meaning and wholeness and joy and love and peace, or it's going to die. Anger, resentment, bitterness, blaming, frustration, critical spirit. Moses says it's a choice. You choose life or death. And those are the last words that he spoke to his people, and he died. And now, when we open the book of Joshua, it says, "After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, my servant, is dead." And I can imagine Joshua sitting there thinking, "God, I know that. You don't need to tell me that. He's dead. Yeah, I know." Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. You see, I think it's God's way of saying to Joshua, to activate audacious faith, it requires letting go of yesterday. Letting go of yesterday. Joshua, you have to let go of yesterday. And just think of what yesterday must have meant for Joshua. I mean, for Joshua, one of the things that must have meant was failure. Joshua was a young man when Moses came to Egypt to lead the people out of the land of Egypt. And so they march out of Egypt. They watch God do one impossibility after another. During their travels, Joshua becomes Moses' right hand man. They get to the edge of the promised land. Twelve guys go in. Check it out. Joshua's one of them. He's come back. He's pumped. He's excited. He's dreaming of all the possibilities that they have in this land called milk and honey. What happens? Ten other guys who experience exactly the same things. They say, Joshua, you're nuts. You're crazy. And they convince the nation of Israel to give in to their fear. And they say, wait a minute, the Canaanite war machine, it's too huge. Yeah, maybe God will give us this land, but based on what we saw, that's an impossibility. No way it's going to happen now. And so they give, they convince the nation. To to give in to their fear, they reject Joshua's leadership, they turn around, and they head back into the wilderness. I don't know about you, but you see, I see Joshua sitting there thinking, boy, did I blow the leadership test. Did I ever blow it? Maybe, maybe I don't have what it takes. But now God comes to him and says, Moses is dead. Joshua, you're in charge. But God, wait, wait, wait. I, I tried to lead them last time. They didn't want to follow. I failed big time. Joshua, let go of that failure. Let it go. You, you can't lead. You're not going to move forward unless you let it go. By the way, I wonder what it is for you. I mean, it's hard to let go of failure, isn't it? At least it has been for this sinner. I mean, think about it. How many times have you and I, because of some failure, how many times have you and I avoided doing certain things? Shied away from certain people. We didn't go to certain places because we just assumed that everyone there would see us through our failure and we didn't feel comfortable going there. Or how many times have we not spoken up, not shared something because well last time we tried, we were just totally embarrassed? Or how many times have we allowed shame to keep us from accepting certain challenges? I mean, you know what it's like, don't you? Or is it only I who have struggled with past failure? Joshua, hey, let it go. Let it go. Albert, let it go. People that have been easier, let it go. Think of what else yesterday must have meant for Joshua. It also must have meant incredible disappointment and frustration. Forty years in the wilderness. Forty years. And I can just picture Joshua putting his head on the pillow thinking to himself, man, We could have been in that land, enjoying that milk and honey. We could have been winning battles, watching God take down one enemy after another, taking care of one impossibility after another. But here I am, living with the consequences of other people's sin. What a waste. I mean, think of how frustrating that must have been, how disappointing. My guess is as years went by, I mean, five, and then... 10, and then 20, and then 30, and then 40 years of living with the consequences of his people's sin. I mean, not just a weekend, not just a week, not just a month, 40 years. I mean, they've been so close. So close to what generations had prayed for and hoped for, so close to experiencing firsthand what God had promised to them, but instead they chose death. And it must have been incredibly frustrating and disappointing for Joshua. I mean, what a waste. Steve Ferrick writes in his book The thing is, most believers aren't in imminent danger of ruining their lives, they're facing a danger that's far greater wasting them. He continues, if that's where you are today, wasting your life, if that is where you are today, I need to share a strong word of warning with you. You cannot keep living like this. It's not fine for you to settle for going every day to a job you'd prefer to quit, doing decent work, being a pretty good person compared to your neighbor, paying your bills on time and sporadically reading the Bible as though it's your guide to the great things God did in other people's lives in the past. Baseline living is not okay. Not for a believer of Jesus. There's a price to pay for Christian complacency. If you keep living on this level, your heart is going to shrivel. It might already be shriveling. Your dreams are going to die. They may already be on life support. You will look one day and be overwhelmed by the stack of regrets staring back at you. The frustrations that's simmering on the back burner right now might boil over one day, and you'll be bitter about the opportunities you missed. Opportunities to be used by God, to touch lives, to get outside yourself, and be part of something greater. Good words, right? The far greater danger is wasting them. Joshua, Forty years in the desert. Could have been different. So different. I mean, there's some stuff that's been happening here that's been rather disappointing, right? And one of the reasons some people have chosen to go elsewhere, God is saying to move forward, let it go. Let it go. And then Joshua, let go of your fear. Fear. I mean, if if you know anything about the wilderness wanderings, you will know that those are not happy times. I mean, there are people who repeatedly sinned. The exodus is one story of disobedience after another. They grumbled. They complained. They talked about killing their leaders, going back to Egypt. And anyway, as a result of their disobedience, God said, you don't want to go with me? Okay, you won't. You're all going to die here. You'll never see the promised land. And Joshua, just think of it probably witnessed over one million funerals. That's a lot of funerals. Now they're back at the edge of the promised land. Moses is dead. Joshua's in charge. And I know if I had been Joshua, I'd be thinking, "What, what if they don't want to go with me again? I mean, last time, 40 years ago, what if they don't want to go with me again? What if they reject my leadership again? Their parents disobeyed. Bow down to other gods. I mean, what if? And, and what if we start invading this country and they do what their parents did? God, I mean, God, Moses didn't even get the job done. Who am I? And so I can see Joshua wrestling with all kinds of fears. And so when God reminds Joshua that Moses is dead, I, I think it's God's way of saying, Joshua, let go of yesterday. Yeah, yesterday for you has a lot of memories. To activate audacious, bold, daring faith, you need to let go of that failure, let go of that disappointment, let go of your fears. So, folks, let me come back to the question again. What, what, do, you, what do you need to let go of? God has this thing for you to do, a place for you to go. God has some areas where he's inviting you to make some, a difference. And, and so, what do you need to let go of? What are those areas where God will step in and do for you what, he, what you cannot do for yourself, but before it happens, you need to let go? I mean, our promised land is, is not some physical piece of property, right? But it's, it's peace, peace. It's joy. So what do you need to let go of? Fear? Insecurity? A memory that you've tried? You say, I'll never do that again. Past relationship, hurt, a commitment to a no-risk lifestyle. God's brought you to the edge of the promised land. What do you need to do? to let go of, to possess it. Secondly, Joshua activating audacious faith means knowing that he will, not just believing he can, but knowing he will because that's what he's promised. I mean, look at the number of promises God makes to Joshua. Verse 2, now then, now that Moses has died, it's time to turn the page Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give you. That's my promise, Joshua. I am going to give it to you. Verse 3. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Yeah, you may have to fight for it, but I'm going to give it to you. Verse 4. Your territory will extend. Not maybe, not... But will... Verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. What did you say, God? All the days? Yeah, Joshua, all the days. You're feeling some insecurity, feeling some fear? All the days. Yeah, you may have some critics who are part of your leadership circle. You may have some Goliaths, but just know, I will be with you. No one will be able to stand against you all of your days verse 5, Joshua, here's another thing you need to remember. As I was with Moses, and you saw how I was with Moses the last 40 years. You saw personally. Be assured, Joshua, I'll be with you in the same way. God, the same way? Yeah, Joshua, the same way. You have the promise of my presence. In fact, I will never leave you or forsake you. Boy, sounds like Joshua couldn't lose, right? You know what I, I love about this? D- did you notice that God gives all these promises before he asks Joshua to do anything? Before? See, he doesn't come to Joshua and say, "Here's all the things I want you to do, and now just remember, I'm going to be with you and da 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 da. No. Joshua, this is what I'm prepared to do for you. Now, here's a couple things I would like you to do. You see, the issue is not who we are, but the issue is who God is. Not who we are, but who God is. I wish I could remember that. I wish I could get that into my brain and live more consistently with that. Joshua, one of the reasons it makes sense to activate your faith is, I will, I will. You know, folks, Um, Somebody took the time to figure out that 200 times in the Bible, God says, I will. Which means it's like he's saying, hey, you're feeling insecure? I will. You're feeling you don't have what it takes? I will. You're uptight about how other people may be perceiving you? I will. And so you feel God nudging you to make some changes in your life and and there's some fears there because you're not even sure you want to go there or what it might mean for you, I would say to you, it's okay. Fear is normal. It's also valid. Because you need to know, faith is not about the removal of fear, but it's leveraging that fear to create a bolder and stronger faith and trust in God. Faith is not the removal fear, but it's leveraging that fear to create a bolder and stronger faith and trust in God. Now, folks, here's my struggle, and here's our struggle. Now, I know you you probably never voice it in this setting, but if you and I had a chance to sit down at McDonald's or St. Arbuck's and talk, I mean, just the two of us, and we'd start talking about the promises of God— Here's what I think you would probably say. I think you'd probably say it because I know I have said it and I've said it often. Here's what you would say. It's great to have those 200 promises, Albert, those 200 will, I, I wills, but how can I be sure? I, I know God says he will, but I, I, I kind of believe it, if I was honest. Often I don't. I would have to confess that when I look at the decisions my, I make, my attitudes, my actions, when I look at how I live out my faith, those things that really indicate what I believe. To be honest, I'd have to say it's it's a real struggle for me. Or when I look at how I pray, how often I'd have to admit I I don't pray as though God will. I want to, but I'm not sure. How, how can I be sure God will? I mean, you've asked that question, haven't you? Somebody say yes? <laughs> yeah. You know, it reminds me of a story in the Bible. The story's in a manuscript called 1 Samuel. It's a situation where the people of Israel are fighting the Philistines, Battle's not going very well for them. In fact, in chapter 13, verse 6, they're spending most of their time looking for better caves to hide in. So basically, they're on the run, and they've actually been on the run for some time. And there's this guy, the king's son, Jonathan. He's kind of ticked off at the fear and inaction of his fellow soldiers. He decides he's going to make a bold move. He decides to go on a two-man commando raid against the enemy. They would approach the enemy. If they get the go-ahead from God, they would attack. Okay, two guys against an army. That looks like a suicide mission, right? But you see, in Joshua's mind, if God comes with them, nothing could stop them. He understands his job is to obey. God's job is to do what he could never do. And so he's being nudged by God to do this two-man commando raid, and so now, all that Jonathan has to do is convince his bodyguard to go with him on this two-commando raid. And look at how he says it. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, "Come, let's go over to the outpost outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps, perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the word from the Lord, saving whether by many or by few." Did you notice the word perhaps? Perhaps the Lord will act. Hey, Jonathan, Jonathan, wait here. Hey, hey, come on. You want me to join you, just the two of us, to fight that army. You want me to join you on this suicide mission, and the best assurance that you can give me is perhaps? Maybe? That's it, Jonathan? Maybe? Perhaps God will act on our behalf? Jonathan, listen, I need more than a perhaps, okay? I I need some assurance. I mean, I need to be sure if I join you on this potential suicide mission, how can I be sure that God will act on our behalf? Isn't that what you'd be thinking if Jonathan was talking to you? I sure would. But listen, here's the deal. Here's what you and I need to get out of this. If we are sure If there's no doubt, if there's no uncertainty, if there's no perhaps, then we don't need faith, right? You see, this is where audacious faith comes in. Audacious bold faith is not the absence of uncertainty and ambiguity, but it's believing that God's promise is bigger than my perhaps. It's not the perhaps, the maybe is gone, but it's acting in obedience to God, knowing that he and his promises are bigger than our perhaps our uncertainty. And so we take that simple step, we act in obedience to that nudge, to that prompting, to what we sense God is asking us to do, even though in the back of our mind there is that perhaps, that maybe. You see, I suggest to you, true faith will always feel that way. On the one hand, you and I know that God is able to do anything, but on the other hand, we can't be completely sure. And I'm saying is, that is the way it should be, because if there's no maybes, no perhaps, no uncertainty, then we would not need Faith. So the bottom line is, you're feeling hesitant, some fear, insecurity, got some doubts. I would say, hey, relax. It's okay. It's okay. If you didn't have any of that, you would not need faith. And the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, when I was growing up, we used to sing a song, a little chorus, Thy Word is a Lamp to My Feet. You sang that too, right? Psalm 119, 105. Thy Word is a Lamp to My Feet, not to my destination, to my feet. So you sense this prompting, you sense this nudge from the Holy Spirit, you feel there's a distinct chance and an interesting possibility that this might be from God. That perhaps at the same time there's that inner critic that's whispering in your ear, "Come on. What 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 if you blow it? I mean, just think how embarrassing that is going to be. What what if you fail? I mean, there's a lot of people that are depending on you. You need to let me say it again. If there's no perhaps, you would not need faith. And the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Going with God means a promise and a perhaps. Does not mean eliminating fear and doubt, but it takes the step. It obeys. It moves forward knowing God's promise is bigger than my perhaps. That makes sense? I hope it was helpful. Application. You're standing at the edge of your promised land, so what do you need to let go of? I mean, because you're hanging on to it, you're just not enjoying that deep peace, that deep joy. Promised land. What do you need to let go of? Your situation and don't know what it is. But what promise do you need to take a long shower in? What promise do you need to focus on so you can move forward? What promise do you need to wake up to tomorrow morning? Thirdly, remember doubt, uncertainty about whether or not will God come through for you. That's really the way you're meant to live. Because it means you need faith. And faith is what pleases God. And I know enough about you. That's your heart. That's your desire. Amen.